0: what's going on everybody this is Troy Pryor founder of creative cipher and host of the cipher live podcast where we interview dope creative entrepreneurs and thought leaders and today we got a dope sister in the building I know I met her a while ago and it's so dope that things have come full circle Dana Anderson in the building what's going on
1: hey I'm here I'm so happy to be here
0: dope okay that's my sound effect <laughs> yes yeah, what's going on how are you doing today
1: I'm very well. I'm very well. I uh, early voted, so I reclaimed a lot of my time today.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Get that Mm -hmm. early vote in. Yeah. Get that early vote. Very, very important. It's crazy out here. So, you know, regardless of your views, get out there and vote. for sure. Absolutely, man. So you um, have been doing some amazing stuff. And like I said, it's great to see things come full circle when we originally met several years ago it was on a project about health and wellness and i had zero clue about some of the other things that you were involved with but it's amazing to see your journey and all of the aspects that are in this um the 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 dana uh cinematic universe
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's cool because i wasn't even doing some of those things back then when i met you i mean like to me, you're a thought leader and you're a leader in in this industry and in, in this cipher we have here in Chicago. So it was like watching brothers like you keep pushing and keep going and, and evolve and grow and expand that have kept me on track and just given me the permission to jump into other aspects of this business like directing. I didn't even think of doing that before.
0: <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate that for sure. It's, it is it's an it's a journey, and we get inspired by one another. You know, we see someone achieve something. We want to learn. We connect. We collaborate. But you brought up a great point about this idea of permission. One of the things we oftentimes talk about at, in creative cypher is eliminating the need for permission and being being a, a multi hyphenate. It's like we don't want to wait for somebody to say yes. <laughs> you can go do this. You yeah. know. Uh, so what is what is it that inspires you? When you see uh, a new opportunity or maybe um, something that you haven't done before, what inspires you? What pushes you to go try?
1: (laughs) Well, I, I, in one way, think I like I'm missing a chip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: Or it got replaced by the go chip or whatever, because um, it's funny. You don't start to get into that phase of like, I need permission until the work is done sometimes. Then you're like, oh shoot, you know, do I want people to hear, see, smell, taste this? You know, so I'm just one of those people that like something will come up and I'll just go or I have the blessing and the curse sometimes of being surrounded by other artists and multi hyphenates that see things in me that I don't see in myself. Like we need those folks. Mm -hmm. And so they'll be like, sing. And I don't sing. I'm not doing that. And I'm just like you know, or um uh, you're gonna do your own one woman show. Now go. And I don't do that. So you always have somebody that's giving that little nudge, and maybe that's them giving you permission or like you know pushing you into your light. But it is in some ways now that I'm more mature and like present to that. That that is a strategic move for me, so that I don't have to <laughs> stop myself from trying new things. Like. So-and-so said, try it. Let me just go ahead and do it. Or here's a hole, step into it, fall down, come back up. So that's been like a lot of the things that I've, even acting, I stumbled into acting. I didn't set my sights on that. It just probably came about. I was probably scared and I was working behind the scenes and behind the camera and in advertising. And then the opportunity finally presented myself where it's like the universe will just punch you and be like, Mm. (laughs) told you, just do it. Now you're on set. That's it.
0: I love that. That could be the uh, title for this interview. That could be the title for this episode. The universe just punches you. Bam. <laughs> and that's and real, you, though. Gotta- uh, you know, we, a lot of times we talk about um, listening to our guts, trusting our instincts when you're tapped in, when you are being true to self. Um, it's human nature to question and wonder and have fears and doubts, but, There's something to be said about um, knowing that you're on the right path and being, you know, and being honest with yourself because those little nudges or those punches (laughs) are, are saying like, hey, keep going in that direction or you're on the right path. And it's also good, as you brought up, to have the right individuals in your circle, in your tribe, in your ecosystem that may see things in you that you may not see yourself. And we see that so often with creatives, imposter syndrome is real, you know, and it's, it's, it's good to have people that can say, you know, no, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. But as an, as a entrepreneur as well, um, it's great to have the theory, it's great to have the ideas, but we all know it ultimately is about execution. How do you balance, um, the, the, the dope ideas and all the amazing things that are encircling With actually executing and operating, as in your deck says, as a boss, how do you balance that? (laughs)
1: Um, That's definitely like a lot of my journey that has been me picking things up along the way. Like I've had adults in my life that have supported me. It's not that they necessarily understood what I was doing. Like I've I've gotten called flighty, flaky. I've gotten called all the things, and There's been times in my life where I took that story on, but now that I'm like very centered and comfortable with who I am and don't let those people's like limitations and like, I don't let them project their stuff on me. You can't do that. You're flighty if you do that. But me, I'm a Mm multi-hyphenate. I have very different skill sets than you might have. And I say sets, (laughs) plural. Mm -hmm. So like, as I've been in the advertising world, I have one gentleman I really, really respect, James Patterson he would just call me when he was like (laughs) drowning with like his staff and needed freelancers at Burrell. And he would be like, I don't know what to call you. I don't know what we're going to say when we get in the room with the client, but I just know you get shit done. (laughs) (laughs) And so some of that getting shit done has just been me like watching and learning from really great people who maybe weren't as creative as me, but they had the executive skill set. They had that like Client face, client facing demeanor that I didn't have yet. I was really rough and raw when I started as a producer. Like they would be like, "Sit down," <laughs> and I've put a little bit of each of these people together, and I'm like, "This is my process. I've learned from this woman, that man, this team, this other general market agency versus what we were doing at the multicultural agency." So I have a lot of like on the ground experience with advertising and production, and that informs so much of my work as an actor and then so much of my work as like an agency owner now, because I can think like a client and some of these younger, like millennial (laughs) freelancers that I hire, I'm like, (laughs) why did you do that? (laughs) I'm just very direct now because I've had that experience now. Why why did you do that? What made you think to do that? Am I
0: I hearing a little, uh, like Miranda, uh pre is that is it Miranda Priestly is that Emily I mean, yeah that, yeah and I'm hearing a little bit of that you know but you know what that's that's,
1: that's, a, that's a thinking thing like I'm encouraging you to think but it's it's an amazing point that
0: you brought up especially for our listeners because you are reiterating the importance of being a open-minded not assuming that there's one way or there's a blueprint and then you talked about not allowing other people's fears to project onto you so this idea of looking at it all absorbing it and applying what makes sense for your journey is so big was there a uh an aha moment when you realized like okay i'm or or did you ever find yourself in a situation where you were trying to fit into something someone else was saying and you realize like wait a minute i get all the stuff that you're saying but only those two things apply to my journey you know did was there an aha moment when you realized that yeah i'm big on my time. own journey
1: big time it, i i damn near fell apart that's actually where like Soul and suburbia my play came from like i was falling apart right before my eyes i was in such a bad spiral And the funny thing was I had the trappings of everything good. I had a good title. I was still working in, you know, health and wellness, group fitness and all that. I was like general manager at this high end club and was meeting all these great people and seeing people who were like really successful living their journey. Right. So it seemed like I was in this good place and I was miserable. I was so miserable and it came out, you know, misery is going to come out. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to come out when you're dealing with people, it's going to come out on your work. And it started to really come out. And, um, I got the universe punch. I've been getting the nudges. I ignored the nudges. It was like, it had been seven years. I was in group fitness and wellness and wellness wasn't very well as we kind of know now too. Um, but that seven years is completion and I should have moved on at that point. And I got into a real bad space where I had a great relationship with the owners and that, that whole misery thing impacted my relationships there. So all the advice that they were telling me about what I should do and how I should do it in my track and this, and you know, they'd have my back and all of that, that just went away. And it's funny because as soon as that relationship was coming to, it's like real end. I booked, um, that Humira commercial and that literally paid me for the next four years and has brought me to here. And it just ended, stopped paying me in April. Like I bought a house last year because of Humira. I, I and shout I out after.
0: After. So, shout out sag <laughs> after Sorry, Shout out sag after
1: love my union. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I um I see that that time too. I remember when like that came out, and like I would get those little slick comments from people, like, um, oh, another cameo, and I just would snicker to myself, like, you have no idea what this union does for me on that mm-hmm. little cameo that you saw, or mm-hmm. how hard it was to actually book that. Mm-hmm. They don't know those little small things, so then it was like the universe finally said, bitch, I told you leave <laughs> that miserable life. Now I'm going to take care of you and set you on your path. You'll have this residual income coming in. And you can pick up a little more too, if you stick with this the right way. And you're going to be able to set your own journey. And like, I, I've really gotten clear that I don't, I don't have to work for anyone anymore. I'm always going to be a creative entrepreneur. I'm always going to be an actor. And then along with that, because of that comfort, I got more into like, I can create my work too.
0: There you go. Yeah. So the, the we're, we're going to talk about that in a moment, about the, the value and importance of creating your own opportunities. But it's safe to say that all of those previous experiences uh, provided you with those skill sets, some tools that you can pull out and use yeah. when you need them.
1: Yep. Some of them might need sharpening sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all
0: good, you know. It's like you wear all these hats and like a muscle, right? Sometimes you gotta go back and focus on certain areas depending on what it is you're going for, you know. We, we no. can't we can't uh, power clean all day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to yeah. the wellness professionals that even know what we're talking about, right? Yeah, but you know what? You brought up an amazing point that this was a journey. You were able to pick on pick up on some of the executive skills from the folks that suit and ties you were creative already but as a performer you knew how to speak the language and then one day you said wait a minute why am I working or why do I have to work for or why do I have to fit into this box when I can create my own my own uh, opportunities what was it like that like that first day you were like I've got my own agency now what was that feeling like
1: you know, what was so great about that feeling was that it was once again, I got thrown into it. No, I think about it, you never paid me five years. Cause that was 20, 2021 when I really had to push myself. Like I always had concrete runway as kind of like a tax thing because I wasn't union yet. So, and I was still doing a lot of print. So all of my non-union work I would put under concrete runway and any production gigs, freelance stuff. And then in 2021, um. A client that really, really loved me and my sister found out we were both leaving Burrell. No, this had to be 2020 because this was this was the pandemic stuff. Yeah. So every, you know, a lot of people freelancers got laid off, you know, and I was like one of the first to go. And then she realized that we weren't gonna be the people managing her programs that she had at Burrell. And she was like, Well, wait a minute, who's gonna do XYZ and who's gonna take care of XYZ? And um, my sister's like whoever comes next. She said, well, doesn't Dana have an agency? Because she knew that I would bill as Concrete Runway. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I have a business. Act like it. Yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> and I got this scope of work from Toyota Motor North America. And I was like, well, I, do I? it was like the the NFL kid who gets the signing bonus and puts the check in a frame instead of cashing it because he doesn't know that that's not decorative. Like I was like, oh, I'm a master supplier of a brand from japan you know like i gotta do this right so now it's been the journey the next thing and i'm really in a deep (laughs) deep dive phase of it that's very uncomfortable is like getting all your ducks in a row when it comes to like taxes
0: (laughs) Mm.
1: payroll um all those little things i was doing and getting away with as like running my shop as a sole proprietor and a one-woman band doesn't work anymore or like having to lead other people like i said i have these like millennial gen z freelancers that i'm like i'm used to just blurting stuff and being miranda and it's like oh that doesn't work
0: for everybody Mm
1: -hmm. so i have to learn new leadership skills not just executive skills i can teach other people these executive skills now and i want them to get that grasp on that and you know run with it because what i'm trying to build now is like being a good businesswoman having a lot of integrity having like full transparency about my finances. My accountant is in my butthole. Like it's so uncomfortable, but, and what I'm learning is asking for help. My friend's yeah. husband is like right now helping me figure out my payroll for my next scope of work that I'm going to get with Toyota. And I'm like, wow, I just asked somebody else's husband to like dig in my finances. <laughs> That's that, <big.
0: laughs> that is big. And it's important because as creative entrepreneurs as entrepreneurs in general, but just as maturing human beings, we have to realize that we're all a part of something bigger. And the only way to lead to achieve the level of success that we want is through some form of collaboration. Even if you are the boss, there is no way to to make it to the levels we're talking about without being able to delegate, without being able to work with people that have different different opinions that can challenge you and push you in different ways. you can't have all you know like people that like everything around or yes to everything around you you got to be challenging yes. tactful <laughs> and respectful way you know um, you know it speaks to dei efforts that's a whole other conversation yeah. but it, but it, the point is that there's a level of maturity that comes with being able to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Because, that
1: vulnerability was wrong. Yeah, yeah that's wrong. tough. But once you show up that way, people really show up for you. This man's sitting on a plane on his way to Japan, like helping me with my homework, you know, for free. I'm like, you have no idea what you just saved me at. Huh. Financial.
0: <laughs> but you know what else? It's what you, the groundwork that you did before you made that ask is very is very important because Mm -hmm. one of the things that we often talk about for creatives that are looking for someone or waiting for somebody to put them on or, you know, give them a hookup or give them a chance. And those things are all good. But what you just described was you put in the work, you put in the work and then you made an ask of someone. So that person was much more apt to saying yes, because they saw you, putting in the work already. One of the analogies that just has stuck with me for years is uh, an individual whose car breaks down on the side of the road and they sit in the car with the hazards on. Most cars are just going to drive past. But if that person gets out the car and starts pushing it, it's more likely that someone will help them because they see them doing the work. It doesn't guarantee anything. So we're not going to be delusional. It's a lot of folks <laughs> that are still going to drive past you. Let's just yes. keep it real. But the point is that when you're putting in the work, it, um, it makes people feel much more confident in saying, yes, I'll help. Mm-hmm. Or, or how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, and you? I think,
1: too, he'd offered help before, but I didn't even know what I needed. And, mm-hmm. and that was two contracts ago. So now it's like. I was very clear on like, I wanna back into this goal. And I, I'm getting better at like, really like, cause I, I I have an end game in mind, right? So everything now is like that that strategy of like, by five years from now, I wanna probably have sold or merged my agency with another one that doesn't do what I do. Cause I kind of work with partner agencies sometimes, you know, my partner, she's really great with like political stuff and nonprofit. And that ends up sometimes you know, merging with multicultural and DEI. So we'll work really well together. And we started talking. We were like, wouldn't it be dope if we sold our businesses <laughs> off or merged with like a Leo Burnett? Or I ain't—I am not opposed to selling out.
0: <laughs> oh, you got an exit strategy built in. That's
1: smart. So that? I have an exit strategy. And yeah. like, because I don't want to be in the weeds my whole life. Like, it would be great it. for me to be like the Black woman was for me and be like, hey, I'm not doing my business over here with this big agency. I'm doing my business with you.
0: So mm-hmm. what if I was
1: able to, to have that opportunity, you know, with, with a different organization and <laughs> cash out in the meantime. <laughs> there you go.
0: Well, see, that's the business of show, right? We're yes. in show business, but that's the business of show. And you you hit the nail on the head early on when you talked about uh you have a business, you are a brand. It's that realization that you're that it's new level, new devil. Your choices yes. and your decisions <laughs> are totally different now because you're not saying, hey, so and so. I'm reading for the role of blah blah blah, and it's a slate. No, no, no. We're so far. No, no. It's over. It's a, that part is over now. Um, it's like uh, now you're hiring the folks and working with the folks that you know years ago you hoped liked you. Now yes. they're peers oh. or they're clients of yours, right? Full we'll circle, which Ooh. leads me to this. Um, Point like you never know who you'll work with in the future right and so uh we have to talk about your upcoming knob congratulations emmy nominated for uh the trial in the delta let's talk about that how'd you get how'd you um get involved with this project
1: (laughs) that was another one where um so anthony mosley my uh, artistic home i'm a company member at collaboration in chicago um social justice you know, it's, it's been our platform for the last, I don't know, five, seven years. I mean, we really moved into it like earlier on with the show Crime Scene we had, but it's just morphed and evolved into a whole new level of work that no one else is doing. I don't think in this country, but that's neither here nor there. But Anthony Mosley, the artistic director, is a really good friend of mine, but also like a de facto like mentor, him and his wife, Sandra Delgado. And so they're always like doing the little nudge. And then and then I stumble into it because I'm like, shoot. One, they make it hard to say no. <laughs> Two, like, I know if they're telling me to do it, it's my time to grow in that area. So um collaboration was tapped to participate in Marion Brooks project. I think hers was called it started as The Lost Child. So there's like a documentary series she was producing for NBC about Emmett Till and then the trial for the murderers, um, the state of Mississippi versus Bryant and Milam. And she'd gotten her hands on these transcripts that had been hidden. I mean, you know, we all know how the justice system is and we know how this country has been. And the truth eventually will be revealed, but it takes time. So the transcripts basically reveal that <laughs> that jury was non-existent. You know, that the trial was never going to be in, in she, he was never going to get justice. And Mamie Till knew that and left. She was already on the train by the time the verdict was read. So when Mary Brooks got her hands on this, she wanted to tap a company that was able to take those words, make it into a narrative that was, you know, not snackable, but something that people could digest and actually understand. Because I think it's over 500 pages, the transcripts. and. um Rochelle Trotter, who's been a huge supporter of collaboration, also at NBC, she was like, collaboration. So G. Riley Mills and Willie Round are writing partners. And Anthony Mosley tapped them, hey, y'all need to work with her, and you can do this. You can adapt this. And they were like, okay. And then he knew he wanted to direct, but he's also very aware of like the nature of the story, is like sharing Black history sharing a black mom story sharing yet another case of a black body just being disposed you know and sharing like the real nuances and depths of how far behind the justice system still is this is now right we're seeing this every year every time a black man is murdered and this thing goes to trial like this is what we're seeing if we're lucky enough to know about it right so um I had played Mamie Till in one of our shows two years before, three years before. And he was like, hey, w- would you like to direct this? And I was like, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, <laughs>
1: <direct>. <laughs> I don't do that. Myself, what I don't do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, OK, well, think about it. Well, why don't you meet with me and Carla Stillwell?" And once I got on the phone with him and Carla, I was like, oh, damn, he brought on T. Carla.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. he, <laughs> was like, that. he was Oh, uh, OK, all right. All right. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I
1: was brought in like last minute pretty much, but like that tends to be our way at collaboration when, especially when we're collaborating with like larger organizations, because everybody's got their red tape and there was a lot of contractual stuff because you're doing something that's an adaptation for screen, but there was also a deal in play to have it on stage at DuSable. So we basically directed two shows at one time, the trial reenactment with the actors that was Being put into the NBC docu series, the second part, the trial and the Delta, and then our stage play that was a one night only show that sold out. So we ended up having two, like a community day. So we put that up. We shot the NBC stuff first, could not talk about it, did that. I cannot believe we did that much content in a day. Um, And then we did this DuSable a few weeks later or so, maybe two weeks later. And um, it was intense. It was like one of those things you have to breathe out. Um, and then I had to come to realization, like, once again, somebody just walked me into my light and was like, you're doing this. And you're going to figure out your instincts. And you're going to figure out your limitations. And then you're going to figure out, like, how you do a different next. And so sure enough, yeah. now we're nominated for this Emmy for the NBC version that's on Peacock now. And then we get to remount the show in February. The ninth is when we open. I think we close like the week of the 21st or something like that. Um, so I get to do it different, better, stronger. That first one was like supposed to be a staged reading, but we we never make anything just plain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so now we get to do it with like sound textures and the sounds of the river and like what what music could we bring to the table instead of the same old like damn near afro negro spiritual songs that we see with every slave or every civil rights picture like we get to put our own collaboration spin on it now so it's just like i feel like the emmy thing has given us the confidence of like yeah yeah we i hope well, i hope so <laughs> yeah we did right by that story right. like we did it. like Mamie, and we always say together when we're working on little meetings we'll be like you know for mamie yeah. for, for for emmett because like, this isn't us, this isn't our story. We're just trying to figure out a way to like, share it in the best way we can so that we can have our little piece of making right what was so wrong, you know?
0: Yeah, you wanna do it justice. Yes. You wanna do it justice. You wanna do it justice for the, um, the important reasons of telling our story and knowing our history. You wanna do it justice because you're a creator Yourself, you want to do it justice because you are a, a, an executive, and you know how things should work. Yeah. You know, so all those things play into just making sure it's done right. I mean, you know, that's a heavy story to tell for sure. I mean, what was, how did you feel going through that process?
1: It was rough. Like, you know, sometimes too, <laughs> it's like I catch myself because I, <laughs> I have my own like sets of traumas, right? My own experiences, and then like you're reading about this this trauma story and we're not doing this trauma porn version of it. Right. So we're like digging deeper. Right. We're there's so many layers of emotions when we're doing those things. And like, when we have shows, we have community conversations after. And so now you've got these elders, you're hearing that literally they're standing up and like, I knew Emmett that summer or I, my family's from money Mississippi or whatever. And it's like, this is so far outside of me, you know? And so you're taking in all these different emotions, uh, rage, anger, all kinds of emotions like come up and like I'm an actor. So I'm trying to work with the actors in the most gentle way possible and like let them go deep. So it's just like, you're walking into these stages and rooms where you're taking all of this on. I'm an empath. So like I'm talking about, I'm getting Mm -hmm. choked up. You know what I'm saying? So like I would have to have very clear like self-care rituals around that. And I'm going to have to prepare for this again because it's it's a deep dive. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to do it. I can't do this like surfacy. So now I'm taking all this on and everybody was, you know, together. So we would have like some, you know, clearing rituals mm-hmm. and things like that together. Because I, I'm telling you, <laughs> every time I talk about it, I just, I, that was a 14 year old boy. When you hear the actual words from the transcript, what these men were saying about killing a 14 year old boy and how they tried to make him a man, because of the size of his genitals and stuff like that, like it was just so disgusting. And it's like, I, <laughs> I have a 17 year old. So that to me is like, whoo, her three I've, years ago.
0: Yeah, I've, I've even noticed it in myself now being a father with a two year old and one on the way, just how projects and stories and things like this that we have heard about for years have a completely different impact on me now. Yep. Uh, yeah, I saw something pop and it was difficult for me. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take it in at the moment Yep. when I saw, I'm like, I can't take this in right now. This is, I got to come back to this.
1: You're more tender now, right? Yeah. Just like your, um, what do you call that? Like your sense of mortality. Like when I, I used to jump on planes all the time in my twenties, we're going where, who has a jet? Ah, and now I get on a plane. I'm like, father, God,
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: bless playing, blessed pilot. <laughs> yes,
0: all of that. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it's um, it's great to see people that are doing justice by those stories. We know that a lot of history and truth is under attack right now. For a variety of reasons, and creatives and artists have always been at the forefront of ensuring that those stories are preserved mm-hmm. and told and or communicated in a variety of ways to to ensure that they survive. And so, uh, you know, again, congratulations on that now because think about it right now. We're talking about your Emmy nomination right now. And a little while ago, you said, no, nah, I don't do that. Yes. <laughs> you know?
1: and universe is doing a Pelosi right now.
0: Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's the clap. The clap. <laughs> and the thing is, when you told me that you played Mamie Till a, a couple years before that time, like the universe was doing one of those, like, all right, we'll see. I got something for you. You have no all clue. Right, you have no clue. <laughs> so yep. with that being said, who knows what who knows what the next iteration you know, brings forth and doors open up, but, um, it's been a, it's been a pleasure catching up with you on the Cypher Live podcast. Before we wrap up, uh, let the folks know how they can follow you, stay in tune with what you got going on and, um, stay up to date.
1: Yeah. So my full sphere of Dana Nicole Anderson is at DanaNAnderson.com. That is my landing station as a multi-hyphenate Um, I'm more active on Instagram where I'm at. They call me DNA underscore because I got hacked. (laughs) got that back. (laughs) You can't hack me. (laughs) So please follow along my journey um, on Instagram or through the the webs. And um, hopefully after December 3rd, I'm claiming on uh, Emmy will be on my feed somewhere, so we'll maybe reconnect at some time and yeah, like
0: uh, when we do the interview, we have we'll have to do the video that time, yeah. so it could be sitting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right here. As you can see, I'm not gonna comment on it. It's just oh, yes. that was oh, was right there the whole time. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is the, is the light catching
1: that? Yeah, is the light catching <laughs> that it's shiny
0: in here. <laughs> no, but this is dope this is dope again congratulations thank you thank you for um, taking time out of your day to jump on the podcast and rock with us and for all of our, for all of those out there listening continue to tune into the cypher live podcast and hopefully our creative uh thought leaders are dropping some gems that you can apply to your journey all right everybody peace